Hey, kids, we're back. We're back. It's been a minute. Oh, my God. It's been an age. I forgot what you looked like. I forgot what I looked like, too. I know. Well, April. April. It's a fucking doozy. Yeah. There's so much culture in April. So, y'all, welcome to art time of the most motherfucking month. Yes. April. Come on. Come on, Taurus. Come on, Aries. Aries, Taurus. Yes. We're going to break this all the way down for you. Get ready for a four-hour episode. (laughs) Buckle up. Go to the bathroom. (laughs) I mean, get a snack. Grab your blankie. Yes. Holy shit. Let us let us take you. Let's do it. Well, before we get into the list, can we talk a little bit about Jeopardy? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So this is fun because Joe and I did not know that we did this separately. I I have always said that if I got on Jeopardy, I would win ridiculous amounts of money because I have the most insane, stupid, factual knowledge in my head, and I don't know why. And I certainly didn't apply it in high school or college. But... I decided to take the online test to, like, register for, like, the application process or whatever. Because Jeopardy is, like, one of the hardest game shows to get onto, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I registered for the test, and I realized, like, there's only one day I could do it. It was the Wednesday test. Because, like, when you register, you're given three opportunities, like a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday opportunity. And on the Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, they're all at different times and different time zones. So it could, like, Tuesday at a 5 Wednesday at a six and like Thursday at like an eight. Yeah. Right. So I wound up taking it on a Wednesday and I, I'm going to just real quick tell my story of it. And then I want to hear your story of it. I got a good one too. Okay, good. I'm okay. so glad. Okay. So I realized the only time I could take it was Wednesday. And then I realized, Oh shit. We had like a birthday thing planned for one of our friends at work. Oh. And so we were all going to go out to this bar together so I was like, all right, I'm going to bring all of my stuff with me. I'm going to bring my computer. I'll set everything up. We'll do this. I'll either log on and get into it while I'm at the bar, or I'm going to have to leave the party early at like a hard 530, right? So I gave the ladies that option. And instead, I was like, here's the thing. I can leave now, or I'm going to set up camp right here, and y'all are going to help me. And they were like, yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. So I took the Jeopardy test. In the middle of a bar with my girls around me, like, they weren't even, like, screaming answers at me because I was, like, typing so fast. There were a few that I needed some help on. But here's the moment. The moment, the last question, and you're given, like, 15 seconds. 15 seconds to type in your answers, which is so fast. And you don't have to frame it in a question or anything. You just type it in. They don't care about spelling. Like, just go. The very last of 50 questions for me was the song, My Favorite Things, from comes from the following Rodgers and Hammerstein musical. And I was like, Julie Andrews has blessed me. <laughs> Thank you, The Sound of Music. Uh, so I felt like that was a gift from both Alex Trebek and Julie Andrews and the universe. And the stay hills tuned. are alive. The hills are fucking alive. And I, I'm i going to be on Jeopardy one day and win millions of dollars. It's going to be great. It's going to be a good time. What was your story? My story is that every year when I take the Jeopardy quiz, it is... Have you done this before? I have done... This the, was the only time I've done it. I have done the quiz before. Okay. Um, And I admittedly, it always sneaks up on me. I only register because I get the email saying, yeah. it's next week. Yes, exactly. And I'm like, okay, I'll do it again. But it's every every year, it's redemption. Because when I was in <laughs> high school, 
I was the captain of my academic league team. Of course you were, nerd. I made it to a... I made it into a final audition of Teen Jeopardy. <gasps> and at the time when they did the teen tournament... Did you meet Alex? No, I didn't. So, so the way they did it at the time was that you had to actually go to L.A. So we went to L.A. We went to this Radisson in Culver City. <laughs> and my parents, like, they... We're still feeling like a little guilty that they moved us from Guam yeah. and they were like, oh, well, let's <laughs> if he has this opportunity, that's something that he would not have back home. So let's try to get him, you know, all psyched up. So we got a hotel room. We stayed at the we all shared this like two bedroom suite, uh, uh-huh. suite at the Radisson. We went in. Classy. Um, I brought all my study materials and then we took a, um, they had a, a sat all these like a hundred something kids in a room. They projected the test on a screen and then we wrote our answers manually down on paper uh-huh. and then they went and they, uh, cor- corrected it. And then they invited, they posted who would get uh, um, invited to the final, which would be like a mock version of the game. On camera. No, no on camera. It was all in the, it was all in the ballroom at Got the it. Radisson. Okay, okay. So, but you would get to pretend to play and they'd okay. ask you your story and all oh, that stuff. Oh, and did you do it? So I did it. I, I made it into the semi or the final and then I got to pretend and I was like, okay, what can I say that's going to impress these people? Shut up. And I said something, oh my God, this is, this just goes to show how much of a little asshole I was. <laughs> I said, um, obviously I exploited my heritage. So I, <laughs> I mentioned Guam and mm-hmm. I mentioned living on an island and blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. But I, they were asking me about um, what, uh, what do they say? What like historical event or historical figure would you like want to like meet? And I said, well, I really would love to meet... <laughs> I really would love to meet Leon Trotsky and Frida <laughs> Kahlo because they had like a little thing uh-huh. uh, when Leon Trotsky was living with Diego and Frida in Mexico. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, God, Joe, there you, you're done. You're you. done. And you know who got in? For, I, I did end up watching the team. I did not make it. Mm. I did end up watching the team. Really? Tournament. After that answer? You didn't I know. Get okay. I didn't have a sob story. Uh-huh. So there was a girl who made it uh-huh. who her sob story was... Her and her family were unemployed horse trainers what? that had driven from Denver. Boo. And I was and she said that the money that she would win would go to like help her family. That's what I heard. I heard that if you get on the air, they want a, they want something fun that you're going to do with your winnings. They don't want to hear that you're going to pay off your student loans. But guess what? I'm going to pay off my fucking student loans. Yeah. And then I'll go on a trip around the world, but it's like I'll save like a cool a cool two, like a cool two <laughs> grand. <know. laughs> Um, but yeah, so yeah. that's, so every year when I take the test, it is because redemption for your it's team tournament, for my team <laughs> tournament. <laughs> that's amazing. So there you go. So how did your, your test go? You know, I, <laughs> I should have known better than to try to boil uh, water while I was doing this test because the water boiled over and I was like, no, I'll just run to the stove. And so it was fine. I knew more questions than I had last year, the previous year, which was uh-huh. good. Um, and there were just ones where it was like, I, I just hate it when it's like, you know, the answer, and but then they get away from you yeah. and you just like submit a blank. Yeah, exactly. Rough. And then like, you know, I have like, you know, I have like a stutter when I type. So it's like, I know it's like severely misspelled and I just delete and try to get yeah. it again. But I don't know how I did. I'm not, I don't feel as comfortable. I was trying, I was waiting for a revelatory moment uh-huh. at the last question. And the last question was about sports. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, <laughs> Stranger Listen, things have happened. 
listeners, you know that we are well-versed in a sport. Exactly. I was like, well, I do love sports. The glitter sports. Yes. As we call it here. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of Jeopardy, that like weird, like evil millionaire is winning everything (laughs) right now. He does. I've seen pictures. I shouldn't say he's evil. I'm sure he's a very nice gentleman, but he's a professional gambler Uh. and his smile looks like he's like an emoji. Like when he smiles, he shows every one of his teeth. It's creepy. Yeah, he looks like he fucks weird. He looks like he just moves his shoulders, you know? Like, (laughs) he just... (laughs) Like... (laughs) I broke Wendy. I would not think about that whilst watching Jeopardy, but... Yeah. Then you're not watching it the way I watch no, it. <laughs> no, apparently not. No. But I just want to know who's going to break him. Like, one dude came close last week, but who knows? Apparently, he's like the next big, big win. Oh, we'll see. Anyway, we digress. But it was artistic in that both Joe and I are trying to get on a fucking game show. Yes. Also, too, like, my experience culminated with, with Maria. And how do we solve that problem? How do we solve that problem? How do we? Um, Sister uh, Margareta was my favorite nun. Sister so. Margareta. <laughs> yes. Oh my Maria God. makes her laugh. Come on. Maria makes me laugh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have issues. Okay. We're going to get into the list. It's 30 minutes already. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> we're already an hour in. Okay. Buckle up, kids. Okay. We're going to talk about Drag Race. There have been some real pivotal moments that have happened this month and we're still not done with this season no we're not even close this season has been going on <laughs> since for 84 years forever just like the last all-star season was so dirty uh, this season is like never ending yeah so very cool there um we're gonna talk about special on netflix that's so good uh which i'm not we're not putting in the gay corner it was no it's not it's for everyone it's for everyone representation it is for everyone we are going to talk about the brilliant perfection that is fossey verdon oh my god and if you do not subscribe to this show come fight me oh oh everyone Get at me. Let's go. I can't. I, it's, oh, my God. It's everything. Everything. Anyway, okay. Okay. I digress. Um, We're going to talk about our lady, Queen Bee, mm. dropping another secret album on the day that Homecoming was released on Netflix. Jeez. Sweet Jesus. We're also going to talk about Lizzo and her album coming out. Y'all, there's so much. And the Tony nominations just came out. Yeah. Yeah. Now, on top of all of that noise, Joe's got a ton of shit to break down for you. I do. I have a ton of shit to break down for you. We got it. Yeah, buckle up. Here we go. Yeah? All right. Let's get into Drag Race. I'm ready, Miss Wendy. Let's go. Drag Race. Start your engine. So. (laughs) I have, first of all, I wrote on this list for Drag Race. (laughs) I keep a little list, friends, just so you know. Um, I wrote down Marina (laughs) Gansu. And Adam Rippon, Scooby-Doo, Pop Pop. Then I wrote down Plastique slash Raja, bitch. (laughs) Then I wrote down Brooklyn slash Evie Lip Sync. Those are the moments I wanted to talk about. So, okay. So, I think I can do an Adam Rippon. Hello. Hi. (laughs) Mirai is my best friend. Hi, Mirai. He's a little, yeah, he's a little up there. Hi. All right. I'm not going to do this. I can't. She was not as 
listen to our episodes from last I year. Mean, <laughs> last year, we just tore her to shreds. Bless it. I'm so sorry. Mariah Nagasu, I'm sure you're a very lovely woman. Um, but I never want to hear you talk. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Both her and her queen, Adam Ripon, Scooby-Doo, Pop Pop, uh, were the <laughs> the guests on the judges panel for one episode and I was expecting her to go like full in like with all of the all of the everything I hate listening to when she talks but she was not that bad no she was not she was definitely not neither of them really made any kind of huge impression on me in that episode but the fact that they're there and that you and I made such a damn big deal out of it. I know I was just like it's Mariah Nagasu and Adam are they seriously on it this week oh my god we just talk so much shit about them. <laughs> <laughs> hey, when you hey you when you're on one of our shows, listen. aka Dancing with the Stars, listen. When you do glitter sports, yes, we're gonna come for you every time. Yeah, yeah. Here's the thing: no one's gonna take away the fact that she did the triple axel at Not the at Olympics. All. No one's gonna take away his like bronze or gold or the silver medal, whatever. But also, no one's gonna take away from us the fact that you're in a glitter sport. Yeah. And that you had the worst racially offensive dance yes. on Dancing with the Stars ever. I was like, do you think Mariah is still friends with Adam do after you, that really offensive? But she probably doesn't even know. I know. It was bad. Anyway. She probably is going to like skate to Fantan Fanny later and oh <laughs> call it a day. Oh, <laughs> sweet God. Oh, yeah. Also, do you feel like, okay, I feel like we are the only ones talking about how racially offensive that that performance was yeah why wasn't that a bigger deal exactly where it's like are we giving him a pass because he's family i don't think that's fair what? no that was like the green book of dancing with the stars yes okay yeah it really was damn i went in damn <laughs> damn there it is i said it There's i the, put my finger on and it and that's Oops. the litmus test that's the litmus test is this the green book of that thing is this the green book of dancing with the stars Ugh. it sure was yes um Anyway, let's also talk about Plastique had this beautiful moment with Mama Roo. Mm-hmm. And then Raja had to be a straight up bitch about it. Can you talk a little bit about that? I don't freaking, I'm so glad that she went home. First of all, it's like, okay. She was busted too. I, identity politics aside, like, how many times are we going to give, like, a busted queen a chance? Uh-uh. Like,. I'm, again, as I said in the previous episode, I am over the whole, I'll lip sync for my life, blah, blah, no, blah. I hate it, yeah. And I'm just like, ugh. And then she, like, those glasses, that, like, run DMC busted look that she was wearing in the, like, I'm just like, no, 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 no. I, she was she was always one of those queens, too, where I was like, I'm never going to care about you. I'm not going to take the time to know your name. No. And... And then she went into, like, her raging bitch mode. And I was like, oh, now I know who you are because I hate you. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's that's like, you are not, like, no one wants to, no one's going to want to work with you after this. No. Like, you just look bad. <laughs> and if that, and I was just like, God, come on, guys. Like, th- we've had, we've had reality television for a cool 30 years She now. was clearly in that mix to be divisive only. And yeah. to just start shit all the time. Yeah. And it was old. It was boring. I was lukewarm about Scarlet Envy, but that bitch deserved to stay more than Raja did mm, i yeah. mean at least in that lip that lip sync yes. she was gonna go home but she didn't deserve to go home in yeah, that I moment i agree i oh. agree um but mm. yeah much so much i we need to talk about snatch game with brooklyn and evie's <laughs> lip sync <laughs> to the gods yes 
Well, first of all, what did you think of the Snatch game itself? I thought the Snatch game was really boring this year. Yeah, it wasn't fun. I was not impressed. I was like, I don't think anybody went like full in. And I, who won it? Um, Ganache? Ganache did. But I, I'm getting <sighs> bored with worst. her. I I'm getting her. bored with her because. I didn't even know the person that she was doing. I, I do, actually. So, yeah. yeah so T.S. Madison's like an internet personality, but yeah. she's, a, she's a transsexual sex worker. Uh-huh. Um, transgendered. Sorry. Transgendered sex worker. Uh-huh. I'm so sorry I said that. Uh, uh, transgender sex worker. And the thing about it is that, like, she, it, she chose a character who is also exactly like her. Mm. Like, there was no range. That's it, yeah. There's no range in her, and I'm not so. a fan. I've never, I've said from day one, yeah. I am not a fan of Silky, Nutmeg, and Ashka. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Um, so in that, Brooklyn did an awful Celine, and you know the reverence we have for Celine here. Oh, so I was like, <laughs> come. I was like, wow, was, Canada does not, it's not showing it up for her, awful, girl. and Evie did an awful Whoopi Goldberg and you know the reverence we have for Whoopi here exactly. as well. I did like Evie's look. I thought Evie had like the It was interesting. It was like early Whoopi, you know, when she was, was still at the it big was kitchen. Both early <laughs> Whoopi and it was also present day on the view Whoopi. Exactly. So it kind of spanned her career, but there was no nod to Jumpin' Jack Flash. There was no Nothing. nod to Sister Act. There was so much that she could have done that she missed and it sucked all around. It was like you were trying to actually like you were she was trying to poke fun of like current Whoopi on the view, but at the same time yeah. it ended up becoming like it was punching down. It was offensive. Yeah. It was bad. So the two of them had to lip sync for their lives against each other. First of all, runway out. Right? Yeah. Brooklyn knows that she bombed. So smart. She's playing a real smart game. Yeah, she really is. I gotta, is, I appreciate that. She is playing a real fucking smart game. She knew that her Snatch game sucked, so she had to fucking turn it out on the runway. And holy shit. Her reveal was insane. Yeah. She walked out and, like, flipped a wig off and, like, a whole other look came out. It was bananas. It was amazing. Yeah, it was really good. It was beautiful. And then... And then you had Evie Oddly coming out, and she did, like... She was given those cakes. She was given serving that ass. Mm-hmm. All that ass. And, and it was... know how you feel about that ass. It was... Uh, I love that ass. Um, she was also serving this, like... What did she call it? Like, Peg Bundy, but, like, 70s glam yeah. trash. Like, it was... It. I was like, I'm here for this look. I know this girl. I'm here for it. I know her. I love her. We've had lunch together. Yes. Um, and then... They battled. Ooh. But, like, it was a lip sync like we've never seen on that show before. No. You thought when Robbie Turner was lip syncing in skates, you thought <laughs> you mm. thought that, like, maybe when uh, Raja and Carmen Carrera were, like, you know, basically having sex on stage. Oh, but yeah. Remember? Yeah. From the old days. Oh, yeah. But, no. This one was just, like, the battle of the body queens. And it was amazing. Yeah. Like, it was so, it, there was so much physicality to it, but it was also so entertaining. It was like Cirque du So Gay. Like, it was just so. And it was so entertaining, though, too. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. they went in, like, again, they're playing a smart game, the two of them. Although, Evie's starting to really, like, pop shit all over the place. She's starting to pick fights, and I don't like that. See, I don't know. I don't know if she is. Point, I think, counterpoint with Wendy and Joe. Yes. Mm-hmm. I don't know if if Evie... I can see where she's coming from as far as, like, wanting to be honest and be real. And I think that that's how she would talk to them normally without the cameras rolling. But I feel like she also needs to just learn how to just 
let it go. Mm-hmm. Let it go. And, you know, in, I think it was in the sub, in the following episode, I did appreciate how, like, I did appreciate how she, like, told um, Silky that she was like, hey, look, you were great. Yeah. Like, I, I'm like, hey, game recognized game. I like that. Yeah. You know, eventually, at the end of the day, you're, like, crafting your own narrative. You're crafting your own story, which is great. Um, I also appreciated how Vanjie, like, you know, accepted her apology. Like, there was a lot of apologizing. Uh-huh. I'm, I like that because I'm really over mean-spirited, uh, mean-spirited I'm, stuff. Yeah, I'm over the, the ladies just screaming at each other. Exactly. Like, let's rise above, please. I'm, I'm over, like, RuPaul, this isn't RuPaul's best friend waste mentality. Yeah. I'm really here for, like, when people, like, are lifting each other up. Same. And, That's yeah. where the joy in the show is, right? Exactly. Because we already live in such divisive times, y'all. I mean, we watch the show for the joy and for the beautiful women who will love us when we clap at the TV. Yes. That's all we want. Because they can hear our claps. They love us back. They know. Mm-hmm. Now, who do you think? Now, if someone, if you had to send someone home, could you have? Would you have been able to send one of them home? Of the two of them? Of the two of them. If you could not, if you just could not, you know... No, it was the right call to keep both of them. Yeah, I thought really so was. as well. Um, who do you think is going next? Oh, well, as of recording this, spoiler alert, uh, Plastique has gone. Mm-hmm. So tonight, where we are recording this, there's a new episode. I don't know. It, I think it's probably Silky Nutmeg, not sure, Lena West. Or sh- I think Sugarcane. I don't know. Sugarcane has been turning the look. She has been. She has, but she's still baby. She's still baby drag. I don't know. I, I, I'm just waiting for her to fall a little bit, but like uh-huh. I feel like Nina's been given a lot of pass. I think it's going to be Silky or Vanjie. I think Vanjie's on her Ooh. way out. I know. Possibly. I'm, Vanjie's not really stepping it up. No. Oh, well. No, not at all. Oh, well. We'll see because we have another four months of this season. <laughs> no, so we'll talk great. about it every month. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, my goodness. Let's talk about special on Netflix. Okay. Okay. Now, first of all, disclaimer, I was, I listened to last month's episode that we did. Uh-huh. And I said there was something about special, a man with MS. This is an incorrect. Special is a story of a man with cerebral palsy. CP. CP. So I got CP. my... Um, my initials wrong. Yes. Well, thank you for the clarification. Clarification. Correction. Yes. There you we heard it. she was assaulted by all your tweets. <laughs> you may stop now. Not a single person said anything to <laughs> me about it. And I just recognized my own ignorance. And I just wanted to put it out there. And I'm, I appreciate you. You are doing better. I'm trying to rise above yes. and be better and be my best self. So let's talk about special. So uh, what did you think? What did you think? I thought they're really short episodes, right? They're 15 minute episodes. How do we feel about the short format? I wanted more of Mm -hmm. every episode. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt like it deserved like a full season, but also I loved the like perfect little like nugget that it was like every episode felt like a beautiful um, snapshot of this story. Right. Yeah. Um, and there were so many layers to it. I loved how he found friendships at work. Like his homegirl at work. Love oh, her. Oh, yeah. Kim. Love, love Kim. Love Kim. I love um, his relationship with his mom and how he keeps it real with mom. I love that mom was getting some from the hot neighbor. Like it was so like so many layers that were so fun. And um, I think it also speaks a lot to the um, 
codependency that parents have when they raise a special needs child. Yeah. Um, and so parents depending as much on their kid needing them as much as the child needs a parent until they're ready to not, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was a really honest reflection of that, you know, and just kind of seeing mom lose her shit, not knowing how to deal with it. These are spoilers all over the place. Sorry, guys. Yeah, I mean, if you, I mean, it's it's literally eight 15-minute episodes. If yeah. you don't have two hours, then... Watch it. Yeah, yeah for real. Watch it's it. It's literally two hours. It's the length of a movie. I need them to get a second season with full episodes. I'm thinking, like, yeah. a 13 half-hour, like... Now, you read the book. I read the book. And the thing... And what was your take on the short I loved episodes? it. Okay. I did like the I love the short form because I was like, ah, like it did really make me want more of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it with a shorter form specifically for this story, it was nice to just go right to the right to the root, right to the root of the problem <laughs> um, and just go right into it. I would love to see what they do with longer episodes. Yeah. And I mean, you got to hand it to fucking Ryan O'Connell, man, because he like is not only starring in it because they i've been reading some interviews he's been doing and it's like yeah i auditioned for it but like i had no intention of ever playing this person Uh but i ended up doing it because they couldn't see anyone else but me Mm -hmm. and he took like acting classes because he had to like he's not an actor so he had to learn how to get into that and to to tap into his feelings and and so like I love it because it's he's able to just go could go right into it. He wrote every single episode by himself. Yeah. He didn't have a writer's room. Like this is a this is a lot. It's huge. And but and he yeah. also in those interviews talked so much about um the fact that if if people like him are not seen then it our stories don't exist. Yeah. So it's so great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, and also, very much kudos to Netflix and to Jim Parsons for yeah. seeing the uh, for seeing what this could be um, and uh, for seeing the potential in it. And I really hope it gets that second season. Um, the moments that I just want to bring up three moments from it. The, yeah. the first moment was um, the the whole thing with the the guy at the pool party where he like is interested in him. And then, like, he kind of really gently lets him down. He's like, come on, let's go swimming. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, that was, like, very lovely. And, like, more true to reality than most people would like to think. Um, That's definitely happened to me before on both sides. I've been that person. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The the sex worker. Yeah. Really great. Really great. And just, like, also a very kind of honest depiction of gay sex in general, which everyone's saying. I know this is not anything new, but, like... You know, when you are when when you're someone who has to watch like, you know, sex all the time from like heterosexual people on media, mm-hmm. if you're not seeing like gay people can have sex facing each other, you know, mm-hmm. that's that's I bet some people were whose minds were blown. And then finally, my favorite episode, though, of the entire thing was the stuff was the mother's episode. Yeah. Where she's cycling back and forth between caretaking for her, yeah. for her mother and then her son. And I loved it because Ryan is also not a prince in that in that no. episode. He is an asshole. Yeah. And and that's the thing is that like you're he's not t- pulling any punches with this. He's wanting to show he's this was also like, you know, as much of a tribute to his mother as um as it was to, you know, himself. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. 
It was. Yeah, I I'm really pulling. I mean, for a second season. So five, really <laughs> five listeners, get on it. Yeah, Let, I mean, I I definitely saw a lot of buzz about it on social when it dropped. Like, and I think, um, I think that stories that are not often seen like that are are coming to the forefront, and rightfully so. And I think that um, work that is original, you know, like it goes back to again, like that Jordan Peele moment of like all of these people who said like, meh, like if you're not happy with how things are being done, do it yourself. And so people are really doing the work themselves and putting it out there. And thankfully, companies like Netflix and Amazon are starting to pick these stories up and bring them to the forefront. And that is making a world of difference in terms of visibility and representation. And keep it up, y'all. I have a thought, but I'm going to save it for shrill. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. I'm going to put it right here. It's right here, upper right-hand corner. I see it. It's right there. I see it. I see it. Don't let me forget. I will not let you forget because I'm going to talk a lot about Shrill, but later. Later. Um, okay, we have to talk about the perfection that is Fosse Verdon oh. on FX. So we're about four episodes in now. And Fosse Verdon is coming to you, I thought, from Ryan Murphy, but this is wrong. No. It's coming to you from the Hamilton cabinet. It's coming to you from the cabinet. From which, the cabinet. Like, is insanely brilliant because they are theater people and they are going to treat it with such reverence. It's theater. Yeah. Like, it's, they're treating, like, the stories that live in in the canon of American theater history, like the, the legends, like the dressing room stories and the womanizing and the backs, like, all of it is a part of this process and this industry and what we do. And they're treating it like such a gem of history, right? And it's all dirty, too. Like, Fosse was a dick. He was a oh, yeah. fucking genius, but he was a dick. And so exposing all of that is fascinating. But also, like, I can't rave enough about Michelle Williams. Oh, she's fantastic. Michelle Williams She's going to get an Burton. Emmy for this. She's going to get fucking everything for this like give her the golden globes give her the emmys give her an honorary oscar even though that's not a thing yeah give her an egot give her it all to her it is amazing she is incredible and there's something that's so honest and real and like and sam what's his name too like Oh, yeah. It, it's the There's, most, like, subtly nuanced performance from Sam Rockwell. Yes. They're not, like, putting on. They no. are, like, embodying, like, the spirit of these characters. And it's so... Because they're not characters. They were, like, real people who then created other characters. And so to kind of see this flawed, um, angry and angsty life that kind of... Uh, you know, the struggle to, like, want to book work and to to be given work that you don't really believe in. And then you kind of have to make something out of it is like, all of it is so incredibly fascinating. The, the diction that, um, the diction and the dialect of Michelle Williams is Gwen Verdon mm-hmm. is like, um, it's, it, and the thing is, is that it could be in anyone else's hands. It would sound it like, it could be such a caricature yeah, exactly. and it's not, it's so nuanced and it's so lovely. Can I, can I, is this a safe space? Can I come out? This is a safe space. Okay. I have never seen cabaret. On stage or in film? Both. Okay. We're going to fix that. Um, I've also, and I'm not familiar really with any music besides Vilkoman. Uh-huh. So, yeah. You are. 
you are bef- without knowing that you are. I appreciate and I appreciate that. So yeah. I might be, I might, uh, I might be, but I'm not. I'm not really. And same thing goes with damn Yankees. Oh no, you know more more of that than you think you do. I, again, a same same. Yeah. I was like, oh, I didn't know Lola was. I thought Lola was from Kinky Boots, no. the movie. But uh, all of like the classics ha- are classics because. They exist in corners of our brains, and we've heard their, the music repeated in the commercials or in some other. It's been repurposed somehow, but it they exist somewhere in like the back of our memories, and we don't always know how we know it until we see a show, and we're like, "Oh yeah, that was the experience I had with Jesus Christ Superstar." Oh, okay. when I watched the the rock concert live on TV, John Legend, with the John yes. Legend thing. I was like, I didn't know that this song was from that. Oh, I do. I know this song too. Oh, and I know this song. Oh, but I know this song too. And I was like, how did I know half that music? Because I'd never seen that show. Um, everything, Damn Yankees, Pippin, all of it, like all of it is in our brains somehow. I, I think, I think so far, it's going to be really hard to top the most recent episode, mm. uh, which was about like Fosse getting his Oscar and like also his success in Pippin, just because it was like drawing the di- like a drawing a direct parallel between the story of Pippin uh-huh. and Bob Fosse and his whole thing yeah. and like and specifically the finale of Pippin, yeah. Which I <laughs> this is funny. Uh, I had forgotten. I did Pippin. I was gonna say I, mean, <laughs> I was in Pippin, and I forgot a lot of not a. I didn't forget the music of it. But I forgot how much I loved it. Mm-hmm. And I had those moments of like, oh, my God, remember that song? And remember that and that moment and that moment? And I forgot about the finale and how, like, the finale of Pippin is such a crux of someone's journey. And, like, do you go this way or this way? And do you burn it all? Or do you move forward with love and a happy ending? And it's so, like... It's this big fuck you to the audience. Like, what's the answer, you know? And, oh, my God, the way that they treated, like, Fosse's nervous breakdown with the the finale of Pippin. I'm just like, it was also, what must it be like for, like, Steven Schwartz to see... (laughs) To see, to like watch this and be like that kid's playing me. So many people are still living in this story. Ben Vereen, Ben Vereen, Stephen Schwartz, Jesus. So many people involved in in Fosse's career and life, yeah, are all still with us and living, including Nicole Fosse, yeah, his daughter, who is an executive producer on this series, and I think that is why it's so artfully done, is because. The people who are so close to him are the ones who are telling the story. Yeah. And that they have such authentic, like, points of reference. I heard Lynn Miranda um, interviewed about creating this and starting with, obviously, like, the giant tome of the Fosse biography. Um, but then the people who were involved in it at every level, namely Nicole Fosse, who was in the room all the time. She was in the room growing up with all of the mess, you know. And that she's been in the room producing this on the front lines, a story that very honestly painted the good, the bad, and the ugly about her own parents. Um, So I really appreciate, like, the authenticity of it. I think that it is right up there with, I mean, in the past on this podcast, I have said that there is no more perfect television than The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And I think Fosse Verdon is up there with it, if not surpassing it. Like it is, yeah, 
giving me everything I need in this if life. I, if, I have to, if I have to give, like, if I had to create a top five television shows that are perfect television, oh, yeah. if I had to, I would probably put shows we've talked about here. Definitely Maisel. Definitely Pose. Mm. Um, just because it harkens back to a, a different time, one day at a time. But Fosse Verdon, I mean, again, this is in no particular order. Yeah. And Fosse Verdon is just like, it's also so great to watch. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's mesmerizing. It's also like you learn a lot too. Oh my like God, All of yes. these origin stories. Um, you know, like we're about to get into the story of Chicago and how that came to be on Broadway and like, and like getting the rights and Fosse getting kind of manipulated into directing that and like not wanting to. And it's just all of the things that made him famous that are like iconic. Like you see that that is Fosse on a stage today, you know, um, we're learning all the origin stories of it. And that's just fucking brilliant. It's so good. Yeah. It's very good. It is so good. It makes me want to start smoking again. Thomas Kale is doing an amazing job directing. Yeah. And it makes me want to start smoking again and maybe start acquiring pills. I was going to say, are you going to take second all as well? I mean, I could pick up a pill habit. I definitely, James, our <laughs> friend James was like, our friend James was like, uh, he, what did he say? That he wanted to start like choreographing things in his kitchen. I said, I'm putting on my character shoes right now and I'm going to start smoking. And he was like, cool, let's bring back bowler hats too. And I was like, solid. Like, we're going to bring it all back. <sighs> yeah. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Oh my God. It's so good. Yes. I love it, and I live for every Tuesday. I can't. Yeah, it's. Uh, I I I'm, bought it on Apple because I just want to own that season. I'm also said it's only an eight part series, so yeah. we're halfway through it. Yeah, we're gonna see the next four episodes or it, and I'm like, oh god, I want more. It's so good. It's so good. It also like dips in and out of order, you know, um, like chronologically plays with the timeline of his life, which I really love, and I do like that as well. I because it's also it's like your. It's like it's a playing with memory, so you're yeah. remembering things. It's somebody's remembering of this, and then and then the different and it does the same with her. Yeah, too. the same with her, and um, I really uh, I really like how we just didn't get to we didn't get to see the blow up that happens when she brings the gorilla suit home, and then like mm-hmm. we don't we don't see that. It's just we skip over that. Yeah. We skip over that, and oh my god, when she just like because she can really dig, she knows how to dig at him. Mm-hmm. Like she's doing it so effortlessly, and the little like the like when she when she enters the room and she's like you know keeping up appearances and then right next to him where only he can hear it's like i heard you told nicole she could have a tab she yeah. said she had five yeah, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. just those little moments too cuz it's like you know if you've mm-hmm. I, i've my parents have are going on 40 years of being married but i but i've heard people talk about their parents who are divorced and it's like that it's just little yeah. you know yeah i also love that it's showing how like that kind of unique history of their marriage too, that they separated, but they were always in each other's lives and they never divorced. So when he died, they were still married. Yeah. And it was very much the, the idea that like you can find your like person, uh-huh. but maybe, maybe that distance is what keeps it happen. Like, you know, cause yeah. it's like, and the, the, the key moment I think in the most recent episode when her, when her play closes after one night and it's just like where she really failed him or where he really failed her was when he didn't show up for her professionally. Mm-hmm. And that was like when he, when she needed him cause she's been there numerous times yeah. when he needed her. Yeah. 
Ah. Uh. You guys just do yourself a makes favor. me just want to like do a little shoulder work. You I know. know it just makes you kind of want to like roll your hips a little bit, just like very slightly. You're right, and have soft hands, and just like bowler hat, and break a knee, and like get into. Oh God, it's so good. Break your leg. Ha, it's all good. Be pigeon toed and shoulder hunched. Okay, let's move forward. <laughs> let's move forward. Um, speaking of popping a hip, can we talk about Beyonce's homecoming? And the cultural uh-huh. brilliance of her Coachella show. Because we yeah. talked about it when she did Coachella, but this documentary specifically, Homecoming, a film by Beyonce. Go. Uh, let's give her an Oscar. <laughs> right? I, I mean, the, the thing is, is that there's no, there's really no like award that we can give her for the hours of work that she put into this in like, you know, this in a kind of postpartum life that she's living, uh-huh. um, trying to put this together. And there's so much to talk about here. There's so much to unpack. It's so like, first of all, when this happened, Joe texted me and said, do we need to do a separate episode about this? Yeah. I was like, are we, <laughs> is this like the Oscars? The I, was like, I don't think we need to do a full episode about this, but we do need to break this apart a little bit. So, I'm I'm glad that this was done because I'm glad that the documentary came out and that we can share with the world because like this needs to be fucking enshrined in the Smithsonian. Like this is a cultural this whole that whole thing was like a cultural moment mm-hmm. and it needs to be like it needs to be shared. But for people who don't understand the significance or even what an HBCU is, yeah. right? Like what historical black colleges and culture and um and like the history behind historical black colleges and universities, like that's she put it all the heart of that into that show. Oh God! It also it just goes to show you that like like there's so much people are always concerned with like this is not universal enough, not universal enough. Beyonce basically did a. Uh, an HBCU homecoming show. Yeah. And like was, it was black AF. It was, it was super cultural. Um, and it was super cultural and it was just like, it, it, it was like, I'm just trying to think in my mind, I just keep thinking like, Oh my God, how many, how many black kids that are there at are Coachella seeing themso- yeah. are seeing themselves represented in like a lineup. Otherwise I looked at the lineup from that year and it's mm-hmm. like in a lineup that otherwise was like shit, uh-huh. <laughs> but like how many of them are seeing themselves in that moment? Yeah. And like, you know, we, every year or lately around, you know, in this, in this current administration, people are coming out, you know, that's like, why are we going to Coachella? Because the guy who like runs Coachella is this like Republican donating yeah. kind of person. And I'm like, Totally, like, totally get all that, you know, uh, uh-huh. totally understand the arguments there. But then you have, like, this moment where it's, like, you know, at, on the one side, it's, like, Beyonce taking those millions of dollars and putting something out there that's black as hell. Yeah. <laughs> and, and just showing or you. using like, her agency. Exactly. Yeah. And just, like, d- don't ever let it be said that, like, she is, she is working hard mm-hmm. and she is just, like... Uh, like seeing her like do those steps over and over and over again, yes. trying to get the choreography when she fits into her costume. And then... so those are, there are two, two things I uh. want to talk about here. Um, and one of them is that 
The first thing I want to talk about is um, the night it came out, I was like, I was having a moment and I was like in my own head and I was like, I need, I need to watch this right now because I know that Beyonce will have big bodied dancers in this show that will be gorgeous and beautiful and turning it the fuck out. And I put it on and immediately you see bodies of every shape and size, tall, short, big bellied, like thin girls, like, and also not all black people. No, there were Asian performers on that stage. There were a handful of white performers on that stage, but everyone was united in this, this moment in, in creating the show. It was like, it was representation on a stage that was so layered that like, it was phenomenal. Um, so right away I was like, uh-huh, there's a big girl. Yep. Yep. There's a big boy. Okay. Yep. Yep. And like everyone just like dancing for their fucking life. I got to clap about it. You know, like it was so good. So I had that moment, but then the other piece of it was her postpartum journey and talking about that. And like, we all know Beyonce can turn out a fucking show. We've known this since she was 19. We've known this. Her disclosing her pregnancy journey and postpartum journey to create this show was really groundbreaking in terms of visibility because she starts off right away saying that when she delivered her twins, she was 218 pounds. That alone is huge to see someone like Beyonce name her number gives voice to so many people with eating disorders, to so many people with body image problems, just like it does so much. Right. Um, so that was huge. But then for her to talk about, you know, like the complications she had with her pregnancy and, uh, and needing to have surgery and the kind of physical toll that that takes, but then also the journey of like now needing to take care of two tiny infants, which is fucking hard as hell on top of having to completely transform her body on top of building the most insane show that Coachella has ever seen and being a brilliant perfectionist about it. There were so many layers to that, that like she even says like, I can never do that to my body again. I can never like be that demanding of myself again. It was one of those like, ah, I know where the limit is now. I know where my fucking breaking point is. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, again, like you have, you see exactly how fucking hard she worked to get to that stage after delivering two babies. And taking care of an, Holy fuck. And, taking and care a six year old. Yeah. Taking care of a six year old too. Yeah. Insane. 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 I, and I see. So there are two moments in the um, in the show, two very very minute little things, but two moments in the show that I just look at it. And I'm just like, whoever gets this is going to die because mm-hmm. I died. The first one is lift every voice and sing. Yeah. The black anthem. The black national anthem. Lift every voice and sing. I'm just like, and I know lift every voice and sing because I went to the. You know, it's like, you know how every school district has the ghetto school, quote unquote. I went to the ghetto school in my school district and um, and we were we were I was very proud. I'm very proud of where where I went to high school. Shout out Mount McGill High School. Um, 
I'm very proud of where I went because I got exposed as like this little kid who lived on an island, got exposed to so many different people and cultures that I never would have gotten otherwise. And at every single school assembly, when the choir would come out and they do the national anthem of the school song, they would also do the black national anthem, lift every voice and sing. So I have known how to sing that song since like I was 15, which Mm. is just you know, I I thank uh, I thank the educators at that school every day that I know that part. It was really beautiful. So lift your voice and sing. The second one is right in uh, when the band comes in as the bass riff, uh, opening bass riff for Deja Vu, yes. and it's like doom, 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 and then and when the band comes in, they do a riff from a very specific. Uh, from a song uh, called Zombie by Fela Kuti, who, <laughs> and I'm like, this is amazing. Cause not only like this show was already black as hell. And now you have like the father of like Nigerian Afro jazz doing his, like one of his most famous song riffs riffs from his most, one of his most famous songs. And I'm just like, anyone who gets this is going to, is going to die. And I loved it. Yeah. Oh God, it was so good. I've been listening to the out al- to the live yeah. album just like on repeat. So I listened to it the morning that it came out, like before you know I saw the documentary. Of my my old boss like texted me that morning, mm-hmm, six thirty mm-hmm. in the morning. I was yeah, like, yeah. "Who's texting me at six thirty in the morning?" Um, but she texted me to let me know that an album dropped, and I was like, "Okay, you're allowed." And so I immediately played it, and I stomped the fuck into work that day, marching band style. I was like, like, like you couldn't tell me shit. I was feeling myself all goddamn day. Yes, yes, and you just feel like like I was just like so empowering. That's the other piece of it. Is like. Beyonce has this empowering effect, right? And I was thinking about this, which we also talked about last month. We talked, when we talked about um, leaving Neverland. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And we were talking about this idea that, like, there was no one who will e- ever be as big a star as Michael Jackson was or achieve that kind of stardom. And I feel like Beyonce is the MJ of our generation now. Like, 30 years later, you know, she's achieving a kind of stardom of today's generation. Yeah. Online, digitally, with like show culturally, she's she's touching on everything that we need to hear right now. And I think it's yeah. just I'm like, is she the next MJ? See the and the thing, the only again, point counterpoint, right? Go. So the only reason why I'm hesitant to put that on her mm-hmm. is because she does have like she does have hits. Yeah. But the thing is though is that her most recent work are not hits. They're not like they're not like climbing the billboard charts or anything, but it's like in it's Drunk like, in Love. Yes, it did. But see the thing is is that like it's it's intensely personal. I think that's the thing that I really like about her is that the work is intensely personal mm-hmm. and it's it's one of the few artists where I can listen to albums front to back, no skips. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know, I just feel like MJ had I, I, I'm I'm hesitant, but I hear it, I see it. We'll and we'll. That's see what, what I mean. Happens. It's a yeah. different kind of celebrity, and it's yeah. a different kind of stardom, um, because he was unique in his moment in time. This is a different kind of celebrity and a different moment. Yeah. In stardom, and she's achieving something very, very different. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it just, I don't, it feels very important. And it feels like the work that she's doing right now will define someone's childhood in the way that he did ours, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's going to inspire, like, an entire generation of mm. people of color. And badass little girls. Uh, Yeah. Goddamn right. Oh, my God. Beyonce, don't ever leave us. Yeah. Oh, my God. You're amazing. Um, Okay. And I believe that she's listening to this with our fives of listeners. Yes. <laughs> Some gay who's doing her hair right now. Some gay is like, check this out. Here we go. Um, Can we also talk about... Another bad bitch in the game. Speaking of plus size girls. Speaking of some big girls, I'm a big bitch. I need tempo. Ah! <laughs> Let's talk about Lizzo. Oh, God. Yes. I cannot. You get your goddamn life. I. When her album dropped, I was in my kitchen, like in church. I was like, okay, I heard that. Okay. All right. I, oh. She is so saying everything I needed to hear ever for my whole life. Yes. Yes. Be your own soulmate. No, I don't need a man. Yes, I'm allowed to love my body. Yes, I'm a big girl. Fuck you, haters. I don't care if you don't like the way I look because I do. Like, oh, she's so good. Yes. And then I got tickets to see her show. Uh, hey. Hey. Um, I've loved Lizzo. Um, I did love Lizzo from uh, Good as Hell, but I really Same. fell in love with her with Truth Hurts. Yeah. And I was like, I did take a DNA test. I am that bitch. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this album was this album was great. And it's just like every single, it's, it's truly. It's an anthem. It's a summer it's anthem. It's summer. It's summer. It, like I, there was on one of these podcast uh, groups that I'm in, it was just like, is this the year of Lizzo? And it truly is. Yeah. Like not only did you like having not yet released your full album, sold out like your the first leg of her tour. Mm-hmm. Now it's like quickly selling out the second leg. And it's just, mm-hmm. yeah. Also. You didn't know that you needed a hip hop flute until you heard Lizzo. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh my god. Like like don't this is why it's like put your kids in fucking like band. Like god damn it, give them right? the this classical. Arts education is important. Arts education motherfuckers like give her and also I, I so I I started following Lizzo on Instagram. She's a joy. And right, then she I, is a fucking joy. Yes. And then I started following her flute. So Really? <laughs> so she has. So the flute is Sasha B. Flute on Instagram. Shut up. And like, <laughs> it's hilarious. She does skit. The flute does skits. The flute was on the Busy Phillips evening show, and they like went and they like had a girls' day getting I'm outfits. Immediately and stuff. following them. You need to. Immediately. It's, she's all like, "Hey, f- hey, Sasha." It's like, "Hey, bitch, what you going?" <laughs> like, it's, oh my God. <laughs> it's just like her in these outfits and wigs. So yes, Sasha B. Flute oh on Instagram. And it's like, you know, if people can follow, like, people can follow the most utter nonsense, you can follow these two accounts for full joy. Yes. Yes. So get it. Oh, God. I'm so excited to see her live. Yeah. I'm so excited. I also love, she's playing in San Diego, and she's playing uh, on San Diego State's campus at the Open Air Theater. And that is such a dope venue. I saw Alabama Shakes there. Oh, my God. I saw Brian Adams there. Like, that venue is so great. I and she's going to crush it. I can't wait. I got to ice my knees the next day. I'm going to be dancing. Hell yeah. 
Mm. I can't wait. I'm so ready. I'm so ready. So ready. She ready. Um, we'll talk about it again later this year. Clearly we will. Stay tuned for October. Great. <laughs> 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 um, the Tony nominations came out. Oh. Now, but there was no segue there at all. Tony, Tony, like, Tony. Hey, did, hey, Joe, did you know? Did you know that the Antoinette Perry... Did you know? <laughs> Antoinette Perry Awards for Meredith in American Theater came well, out. I know. I didn't know. How did you know? Um, Any... So, well, well, do your whoopee thing, and then I have a question. So... What's my whoopee thing? Well, just... well, do you have any? Are there any surprises? Any surprises? Oh, not really. No, not really. I think people are like, oh, there were no acting awards for Pretty Woman, and it's like, well, this show sucked. Whatever. <laughs> ah, yeah. so, is it a hot like, take? If it's, it's true? selling, it's selling well, but it's not a quality show so all right apparently this year the play is the thing according to new york times so yeah. a lot of plays a lot of plays except american sun not oh. nominated for anything oh and that's the one i was really keeping my eye on because i thought it was going to come down to um celia keenan bulger and carrie washington um since celia keenan bulger was nominated for to Kill a Mockingbird, as we knew she would be. So was the actor who plays Dill. So was the actor who plays Atticus. Yes. Um, I love me some Gideon Glick. Yeah. I really do. Beautiful. And then Jeff Daniels, obviously, also gave a beautiful performance. Um, but, yeah, no, the big awards are um, the most nominated show, Hades Town. Have you listened to it at all? None. I'm not familiar at all. I've been hearing really great things about it. I just not, have not sat down and listen to it yet. I mean, like, I, I get it. Or, Orpheus and Eurydice. It is a tale as old as time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious. Well, I'm clicking on right now the New York Times. Here's a guide to snubs and surprises. Oh. Are we ready? Yes. Thank you, New York Times. Thanks, New York Times. Not everyone's media critic. Um... Yeah, this isn't going to be fun for you to sit here like listening to me read something. <laughs> but you know what? I'm going to vamp. I'm vamping. Vamping, vamping. I'm vamping. vamping. Oh, okay. So they were saying that there was limited love for Cher for the Cher show. Stephanie well. J. Block was nominated for her performance, but basically nothing else. Um, dum, ba, da, bum, bum, bum. Yeah. Uh, Pretty Woman gi- was like mm-hmm. completely zeroed out. That's it. They are giving a special, um, a special Tony to the... The puppeteers. Correct. So for the puppet design yes. of King Kong. Well, you know, and it's Which, gonna like I said, <laughs> the show sucked. The puppet was phenomenal. And so I'm glad that they're awarding that artistry because holy shit, that deserves a moment. And I'm really, really glad that they're they're rewarding the right thing there. Oscar, take note. Fuck Green Book. <laughs> um so the musicals, the best musicals that are nominated are Ain't Too Proud. About the Temptations. Yeah. Um, and that's cool because Danielle Brooks produced it. So I'm really excited about that. Um, Beetlejuice. Nah. Town, Okay. The Prom. Eh, whatever. And Tootsie. Meh. Whatever. I'm really tired of movies becoming stage shows. And, you know, we saw it with Pretty Woman, Beetlejuice, Tootsie. Enough, guys. Calm it down. The Bridges of Madison County. They're yeah. Enough with... The movies. What do you think's next? <laughs> um, Super bad. The <laughs> no, I, I've heard of some things that are coming up, and I can't think of them off the top of my head. But 
I obviously don't care right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm certain I don't care. The best plays that are nominated are Choir Boy. Yes. Supposed to be phenomenal. Yep. The Ferryman, also supposed to be phenomenal. Gary, the sequel to Titus Andronicus, yes. starring Nathan Lane. Uh-huh. Um, Inc. George C. Wolfe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Inc. And then What the Constitution Means to Me. And I think that might take it. Really? Yeah. Well, I've the things I've read about it are just really great. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. I feel like I have seen some of the shows this year. Certainly not all of them. I don't feel as like well versed in this season as I normally am in um in a Broadway season, but I'm also like I'm cool with it. I feel like I'm going to, you know, watch the Tonys and see the featured performances and you know, live that life and yeah. that's, that's what's up. So all all of late night and early morning television until June yeah. <laughs> is going to be these performances. So Yeah, basically. There we go. Um so those are the Tony noms. Yeah. What else? Um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Um, okay. You have some things you wanted to talk about <laughs> in your corner. <laughs> yes. It, it's like not entirely gay corner. No, it's like everything that interests you in your corner and everything that kind of has interested me and been on my brain in my corner. Yes. So, so let's put it up this way for you. Let's talk about your birthday at Hedwig. Yes. And then we got to talk about Ali Wong. You also did over your birthday weekend. Leia Salonga you did in concert. Um, and then Avengers Endgame, Game of Thrones. There's tons yes. of, tons of Joe-like tons. stuff. Tons of, like, this is it. It's like, this is the extent of my fandom is like Leia Salonga, musicals, and geek shit. Correct. Um, Go ahead. April was my birthday month. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. And I turned 30. You did. Uh, gay death. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's gay it's life. It's not gay actually. death. The it's 30s gay life. are where it's at. The 20s are boring. I'm over it. I'm, I'm, very, I'm very excited for my 30s. It was very nice to spend... Um, to spend a, a an afternoon with everyone in the theater. That was so nice. And what I love so much about your cross-section of people's Joes is that, like, when I walked into the lobby to, like, see, I did not know anyone other than Joshua mm-hmm. and his partner. And it was, like, all of a sudden I was, I felt like I was surrounded by, like, three or four people I had never met before who came from such wildly different walks of life. And all of a sudden we were, like, holding hands and kikiing and, like, loving each other. And, and I think that that, like... Having a common friend unites so many different people, and I love that you chose to kind of unite everybody in the theater that day. Thank you, thank You're you, welcome. Wendy. You're um, the production itself, uh, Joshua's actually seeing it for a second time uh-huh. uh, this evening. Um, I, I'm, I'm consistently amazed with how they use that space, uh-huh. and and I just love like everything. We were at the local diversionary at the local theater. diversionary theater, um, and which is the nation's second oldest LGBT uh, second theater? or third. Mm-hmm. It's not the first, but it's second or third. And it was just like, you know, it was just an assault on the senses. It was just so, so much visuality, but mm-hmm. also just very, like in the moments where it needed to be just very intimate. And like, I thought that the projections went really well. I thought they, they had this one, they use an overhead projector very, yeah. <laughs> uh, very uh, adeptly. And it was just so, it was really interesting to see 
um, how they use that space. And there was a moment where someone's phone went off and then like yeah. Hedvig like grabbed it and was mm-hmm. trying to get them to talk to them. Like it was, I was like, oh God, I can't, I, I was mortified because it was someone in my party. I'm like, oh my God, what's going on? Mm-hmm. But it ended up being one of my favorite moments of the show. Yeah. So. It was this beautiful impromptu moment and yeah. it just worked out really well. And I was sitting right in front of the booth. Oh Lord. <laughs> so I heard the stage managers react to that and they were floored. They were like, oh, my God, that was amazing. <laughs> because, like, <laughs> just the way it was so seamless, he just immediately, like, stayed in character, solved the issue, turned the phone off, went back, rewound, and, like, started that little moment again. It was beautiful. It was really fun. Yeah. It was and it was, cool. like, it came at the right moment. And even the the actor was just like, you know, you ruined my moment. Yeah. <laughs> and then went back to it. And yeah. Yeah. It was, it was very good. Um, I'm very happy, like, and also, fun fact, I didn't find out until, like, you know, quarter to midnight on the day of my birth that John Cameron Mitchell and I share a birthday. Hey, now. So we share April 21st. We're both Torrens. Happy birthday, Torrens, gay Torrens. Yes. So, you know, I did that, I did that basic girl thing where I, like, messaged him on Instagram, like, in tears, because I was like... Your show. I went and ushered in this new phase of life and blah, blah, ah, blah. I love you. Misuki, please like me. Uh-huh. But yeah, it was good. I'm very happy. I feel very blessed, very loved. Yay. That's it, awesome. Definitely my favorite birthday I've had so far. Nice. Tell me about Ali Wong. How'd that go? Oh, my God. I was three rows away from the stage. Yeah. I was certain she could see me. Uh-huh. Because I was just like... I was, I was like, Ali Wong's going to be like, there was this fat gay man in the front. <laughs> <laughs> um, she was phenomenal. And her, like, is also like, how can you, how can you, how can lightning strike twice, right? Because she's already had two, she's already had two amazing um, stand-up specials, both of which are where she's, like, pregnant. So it's about motherhood and pregnancy. And this particular one was about really neither of those things, but more about, like, women. So she was talking, like, it had this very awesome, I'm not even, not so much even feminist, just, like, this very awesome, like, women uh, women message for women and about women. And, you know, she had this whole bit about wanting to cheat on her husband. Like, I really hope that it comes. But it was also really interesting to see how it was a full house. She did five shows in San Diego that weekend. That's crazy. Sold out every single one. Sold out the Balboa three times over. That is so demanding. And sold out the Civic. Whoa. Yeah. The Civic is a huge opera house. Yeah. It is not a traditional theater space. No. It is gi-fucking-normous. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that she said it was sold out, so... Yeah. I, but, yeah. I don't enjoy seeing shows at the Civic because I don't think it's built for theater. You know, it's a really... It's built for opera. It's built for opera. It's built for the most giant performances and voices, and yeah, the Civic is rough, but goodness. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but it was great. I, I went by myself. I treated myself to dinner. Nice. I had, I, I stayed by myself in line and it was just like, they did this thing where like, you had to put your phone in a bag and they closed the bag mm-hmm. and then you couldn't open the bag up until you went into the lobby and like, tapped it on a magnet or whatever. Like, it was a completely phone-free show. Cool. Nobody had, and I was like, yes, because I it was like, I'm not thinking about my phone. I, put, I turned my phone off fully because I was like, I'm not even going to get to yeah. it. And I'm sitting in the third row, so there's no way I'm going to leave and check oh my, my phone. Oh, my God. I wish that people would do that in New York theater. Oh, my God, yes. I wish. I have literally sat next to people that have just been, like, texting nonstop throughout a show. 
I went I went full ham on a woman in the middle of King Kong, which is a show I didn't even fucking care about. And I turned to her at intermission and I said, you cannot be on your phone. Like you were in the theater. She goes, I have a six year old. I don't know. And her husband goes, just watch the show. And I was like, I didn't pay $100 to sit here watching you on your phone. If you have a six-year-old you're concerned with, go and be with them. Don't be here at the theater. Yeah. Like, huh. It is not the place for technology. Go away. Not in the audience. No. Turn it off and be present and enjoy live theater. Yeah. And yeah. I could I could feel the change in the room, too. That's awesome. Like, I can feel how, like, everyone, like, was just laser focused on her. It, the laughs landed better. Like, it was so, it was such a good... It was such a good thing, and I'm like, we need to do this more because I, the thing that I hate, and I'm, I'm, I'm always at odds with it because it's like I feel like I should document my life in some way, shape, or form. But at the same time, I'm like, I also rebel against that because I'm all about like living in. If you're going to truly live in the moment, put your phone away and be in this moment. Exactly. Yeah. And and talk to each other. And talk to each other. Look at each other and talk to each other. Exactly. Yeah. I sat between two couples, and they were probably <laughs> like, "What the fuck?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm here, bitch." <laughs> You were like, hey, it's my birthday. It's okay? my birthday. Hey. <laughs> buy me a drink. Buy me some cake. <laughs> buy me, Let's go. Buy me something. Yes. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Nice. Yeah. It, I really hope it becomes the third The third special comes out soon because I just want to hear that. I just want to relive it all again. Mm-hmm. So good. Now, you also wanted to talk about Leia Salonga in concert. Now, this happened <laughs> early in April, right? This happened early April, yes. Okay. In, in like, very, very early April. So... <laughs> I mean, <laughs> For be, what I will say, I will give the same story that I always give about Leia Salonga. Are you ready for it? I'm ready for it. Here we go. When go. I was in sixth grade, my music teacher, Mr. Astara, spelled like restaurant, but without the uh-huh. R and the N-T. <laughs> That's how he wrote his name. He was this very fabulous Filipino man of dubious sexuality. Of course. He had many girlfriends, but I don't know if it was like. Girlfriends. Exactly. With the wink. Hey, yeah. He he showed us the 10th anniversary concert of Les Miserables mm. and then proceeded to talk like an entire class period about, he's also a Filipino man, proceeded to talk about how Lea Salonga is the songbird of Asia. And well, how, uh, he's not far off. Not yeah. far <laughs> <laughs> and, and then I was just like, oh my God, you know, then that's where it began. And just like <laughs> sitting there in a classroom on Guam and like learning about this woman who's like the most beautiful voice ever mm-hmm. as, you know, Ebony in that. Also, I've never seen Miss Saigon. I'm not familiar with the music at all. Oh my God. Yes, I, you are. <laughs> well, that's yes, the thing. Yes, you are. Yes. So I was like, I got these tickets and I'm just like, I bid on something at a friend's like silent auction. And I literally, I put the buy now price on it because I'm like, yeah, I'm going to fucking see Leia Salonga like in the orchestra, the symphony. Fuck. Yeah. So I go and I do that. And like, I tell you what, poor girl, she had uh, broken her tibia. Okay. Because she went skiing in Japan. Uh-huh. She had to cancel some shows, and this was, like, one of her first shows back. So she was, you know, stationary the entire time. You could tell that she was, like, there were places she'd rather be, but she's a pro. Mm-hmm. I will say with Leia Salonga, the voice, like, beautiful, mm-hmm. impeccable. Uh-huh. And she did, <laughs> she did songs that were not musical theater, nope. but with musical theater face. Uh-huh. She did, uh, my, one of, the, the three that I mentioned is Fast Car by Tracy Chapman. <laughs> And she <laughs> give us a little Joe. Give us a little. You got a fast car. I got a ticket to get on. <laughs> yeah. 
And then she did a very, like, a, only with guitar, a, like, jazz stripped down acoustic version of uh, AHA's Take On Me. Give us a little jazz. Take on me take me on nope i'll be gone in a day or two see you all can see joe's face right y'all can see his face as he's doing she basically gave the same face as like i'll give my life for you yeah and then she did and this is where she broke my heart blurred lines i I cannot. But, like, tried to be playfully sexy. And I was like, no. oh, my God, Leia Salonga. No, girl. I, I will say also that, like, every Filipino person within a 30-mile radius, radius was in that Of theater. course they were. Yeah. Of course. I, um... <laughs> <laughs> yes, Wendy. How do, how do you feel about you the Songbird Wendy. of Asia? You know how Wendy feels about the Songbird of Asia. I... <laughs> <laughs> Wendy, um, Wendy feels that the songbird of Asia. It, oh, by the way, we're recording this. May is a um, uh, Asian American Heritage Month. Okay, so, so I'm gonna. <laughs> yeah, all right. Uh, um, I hear I've seen Lea Salonga on stage uh, several times. Mm-hmm. Most recently in Once on This Island. Yes, this was the Human Heart Tour. The Human Heart Tour. Yeah. She is everything when you see her in a show. In show, she is, like, perfection. I saw her in Miss Saigon. I saw Really? Her, I did. Oh, my God. I saw her in Allegiance. I saw her in Once on this Island. Um, and she will, like, break your heart 17 times in each show. Because um, she is that lovely and pure voiced and Beautiful in a character. Then I heard her interviewed. (laughs) Oh, no. And she is so arrogant. And the thing is, she has every right to be arrogant because she is Leia fucking Salonga. Yeah. So I give that to her and I get that. But there's something off-putting to me about the things I've heard her say in interviews and the, like, I heard from other people, like, that she put on a great show, but uh, I didn't really like the way she interacted with the audience. It felt like rude to me or like, ar- you know, arrogant or off-putting. And I'm like... She did call someone out for being on their phone. Yeah. She like she she, she said in the beginning, like, I'm not going to Patty Lapone you, but please don't use Flash. And then someone right before intermission was like, she was like, are you on your phone? We'll just wait for you. Not cool, man. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. And that's it. It's like... She she is one of the great Broadway divas. She is one of the living legends of Broadway. I get uh, and and also the Songbird of Asia. Yes. So <laughs> I, get, like, I get she has earned every right to be as arrogant as she fucking wants to be. But, but you know what? But I just like Bob Fosse, right? Just exactly. You know, just I'm <laughs> like, you know what? I just want to see your choreography. I just want to see your work. I want to see exactly. I want to see you on stage. I don't need to hear you talk to me ever. You know, she did do a great she was like, I've played six. I've played six roles on Broadway. Three of them were dead girls. Here's dead girl number one. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I was like, "Okay, good. Well, she knows what's up. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's so funny. Um, The songbird songbird of Asia. Asia. There you go. Mic drop. There you go. Um, All right. You have some nerd stuff you want to talk about. Yeah. Very quick. Because we still have like 
we still have other things to talk about. Um, in one day, I watched Avengers Endgame, which is basically the 20-something film of Marvel in this, like, breadth. <laughs> this, like, I, I don't know anything about any of this, sh- any of the shit. I saw Black Panther. Yeah. That's it. So basically, all you need no to know. No spoilers. Uh, no spoiler. No spoilers, truly, but because it's a whole thing. But I will say this: that I was very pleased with how they wrapped everything up because mm-hmm. this show is this particular film was a way for them to wrap up the last ten years of work that mm-hmm. they've been doing. And like, if you think about it, like this is such a this like 2019 is like this cultural moment of like things ending, and this one was like a great way to like we're gonna put a pin, we're gonna finally end these stories, and then we're gonna move on and do other things. And so this is the last of... This is the last of this particular iteration. Okay. Um, but they're they're still making a ton of other movies in the future. It'll be interesting to see where the next 10 years... Because it's literally like 2009, I think. 2009 or uh, 10, Iron Man comes out, mm-hmm. which is the first Marvel film. And that kicks off this entire... like. Really? Is that where it started with Iron Man? Iron Man with Robert Downey Jr. Oh, see, I did see that. I yeah. saw that one. But it was like... That was like when it was... When it was still just Iron Man and it wasn't the Marvel Cinematic Universe yet and they're yeah. all connected like it there's a moment in it where I literally like I started tearing up because there's just something happens where it just all clicks and it's just a beautiful it's a beautiful sentiment nice so Good. no spoilers on that I did my very best uh then from there that 3 hour movie um, after also seeing a buddy I hadn't seen in a long time, who I've basically watched every Marvel movie with the, for really? the last, I've watched every Marvel movie the last five years. Did you hold theaters. each other tenderly and we, wait? At the end? No, we did not. He's from Westchester, so we don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> that's for the. That's all for the New Yorkers. Got it. That's for the there New Yorkers. Um, he. We had, like, Korean barbecue beforehand, so not only did I eat, like, a p- ton of meat, I sat down for three hours. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I can't move. It's like, don't I can't move. Me. And then after that, I went to go watch uh, uh, episode three of this current season of Game of Thrones, which is the final season. Uh, only six episodes. It was an hour and a half long. There and are only six episodes in the final season? Only six episodes. Okay. So we're halfway through. And let me tell you, it was a doozy. Um, what you could see because it was very dark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was literally, it took place at night. It was a, it's also like the battle sequence in this, in this, uh, in uh, this episode, it has the record for being the longest battle sequence in film and television history. Wow. It was also, I think, filmed over like 55 days or something like that. And yeah, it was it was nuts, but it's also just amazing television, too. That's awesome. So there you go. Wow. No spoilers. Wow. Yo. Oh. So tell me. <laughs> Miss Wendy. Okay, so I have some things to talk about, but also some things that we have not been talking about. We, Joe and I were just kind of like recapping where we're at and like what's going on. And and we realized we have not had a Dancing with the Stars season to talk about in a very long time since last summer, right? Yeah. So last summer was the Scooby-Doo pop-pop season. Oh, wait, no. And then there no, was No, it the, was the shitty, like... The social media girl. <laughs> it was social season. media girl with uh, my man, Alan. Oh, and then and, Bobby Bones won. And, and we and, were like, And Miles that. Manheim or whatever the name is. Cam- and yeah, Cameron Manheim. Cameron Manheim's son. Yeah. And yes. Okay. So that was the last time we saw any of our dancers. Joe is missing Bruno a lot. I am. He's missing his Bruno. Yeah. 
And I am <laughs> I'm missing doing that homework for Joe every week. <laughs> Joe who suckered me into watching Dancing with the Stars again. I was like, fuck. All right. So anyway, we did a little I was I was like it. another person that watched Dancing with the Stars, we're best friends forever. <laughs> <laughs> so we're like, where is the season? We haven't talked about this in a really long time. Turns out we found out they're not doing a summer season. No. Right? They're only doing a fall season. Yeah. Which, yeah, which totally makes sense because if Len is like going back and forth from mm. like Los Angeles to London. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way. Yeah. But also the last time they did a summer season, they only did the four weeks of the athletes, which was bullshit. Yeah. And we hated Utter it. bullshit. Because it definitely needed to be at least a six week run. Yeah, I wanted to it see... It needed two more weeks. I wanted to see Tanya Harding get grabbed by the chotch two more weeks. Listen, <laughs> Tanya Harding is on every reality TV show platform that will have her. Right now, she's on The Worst Cooks in America and on the Food Network. And what? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And every time I see even the slightest blip of Tanya Harding on my television, I'm like, I am here for you. I love you. I appreciate you. I understand your story. I get you. Anyway. You know I, that Tara Lipinski and Johnny Weir are also on a cooking uh, they're on like a cooking yes, competition show. Yes, something about like brides and weddings. They're and doing a wedding show, that. but then they're also like on like a master celebrity master chef or something like that. Sure. I don't know. I, I don't know. All I know is mommy is wearing couture and like cooking. Oh, that's so much. <laughs> that is so much. I can't deal with that. All I know is I live inside for Tanya Harding and the trash that is her life, which I, oh God, I love it so much. Anyway, she's on the Food Network now. <laughs> She left the dance floor, the ballroom, and moved into a shitty kitchen. Yes. With Jack Hay of 227. Uh, what? I know. I know. There's so, I, it's so good. It, it's, but oh, like, God. I'll never see it. Anyway. Um, so that's it. So that's coming to you in the fall. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to think of the drama that Tanya Harding and Jack Hay could. <laughs> oh, my God. They could so get into it. I love it. I love it. Jack Hay talking shit at her. Like. I know. You got your laces tied, Tanya? Oh, God. I love it. I know. I, I'm not going to start watching that, and you can't even make me, so don't. Don't even suggest I start watching that. No, it's fine. We we have a lot of reality TV don't coming up dare. this summer anyway. Exactly. There's so much. Trading Spaces is coming back, so. I, th- I think it's on again already. I'm over it. Yeah. I'm <laughs> watching it mid-season. I won't go there again. I will not. Um, so, April, well, May. Uh-huh. Can we move forward? Yeah. What do you got there in your hand? Here's what I have in my hand, readers and listeners. Here we have. Um, so every year in the April to May month, the last month of the last week of April, first week of May, is the issue of the Time 100 <gasps> most influential people. Last year we talked like a scotch about it. Like we touched on it really, really briefly because I had left my issue at home tonight. I have the issue with us. Yes. Now, again, readers, I'm not going to sit here and read to you from a magazine. (laughs) But I will tell you the five covers that are on the most influential people are Sandra Oh. And every what I love about the influential people is that you get there's a very brief write up of those people, and it's done by someone else in their industry who's honoring their work. So Sandra Oh, her write up was done by Shonda Rhimes. And then. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, one of the other covers was Taylor Swift, uh, and she was written up by Shawn Mendes. Uh, and then Dwayne Johnson, 
Ah, The Rock. By Gal Gadot. Ooh, okay, Gal Gadot. And then um, uh, Mohamed Salah, who does not play a glitter sport, but who plays a sport. Oh. And uh, he was written up by John Oliver. Oh, he's yummy. Yeah, he's pretty. He's your kind of pretty. Yeah. Um, and Nancy Pelosi. Yes. Who yes. wrote about her? Hillary Rodham Clinton. Ah! So Come through I'm here for that. Hey, HRC, what up? So uh, the Time 100, I just think, is always amazing because... They break it down into so many different categories, and um, they have pioneers, artists, leaders, titans, and icons. And the people who are in these fields are just amazing. And a lot of the people we've talked about this year, um, from Chrissy Teigen to Michelle Obama to Ariana Grande, Regina King. AOC. AOC is in there. Um, Hassan, Minha- uh, Hassan Minhaj is in there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Spike Lee is in there. He's written up by Jordan Peele. There's it's so much. Um, Michelle w- Obama was written up by Beyonce. Oh, girl. Yeah, I know. So there's just, um, I, it's such a fascinating um, collection of, like, important people in this one year. Uh, and I always, I, I buy and save all of the influential people issues. And so I've had them for the last, I don't know, 10 years or something. It's the but Time 100. Yeah. For me, it's always it's the Time 100 and the Out 100. Yes, but then I always try to get the right cover, like the cover yeah. of the influential person that I want. So I'm searching for Nancy Pelosi. I really wanted to get the Nan cover. Uh-huh. But instead, I called the, my local Barnes & Noble booksellers. And the woman on the phone said, um, there's some Asian woman on the cover. Let me check. No! That's what she said. I said, what a poor repayment for Asian American History Month. Did you know? Uh, so anyway. There's some. There's some she's like, um, I think there's an Asian woman on the cover. Let me check. And then she checked. She said, no, it is. It is the influential people issue. And it's, I think, yeah, her name is Sandra O. Oh. I was like, woman, do you live under a rock? She is one of the hundred most influential people in the world right For now. For real. She's one of a hundred. You're not. Come on. Anyway. Sandra uh. O, again, not my favorite. But respect the fact that she got a cover. So People wonder why Amazon where people get their books now. I know. I know. Anyway. <laughs> okay. So mad. <laughs> I know. I was pretty. I was like, oh, um, that's pretty ballsy of you, Amazon. <laughs> Barnes and Noble bookseller some lady. Asian, some Asian woman. She said, um, yeah, I think there's an Asian woman on the cover. Hold on. I'll go check. Like, that know. was it. And it was like I was inconveniencing her. Like, I'm sorry. I don't know. There's some black woman on the cover. I can think you it's Michelle just, Obama. Yeah. Like, like, can you just marginalize, like, a really important person in the world? Thanks. Ugh. Yeah. Um, okay, so the last thing I want to talk about is um, my homework. I did my homework. Oh, my gosh, you did it. I did it. I did my homework. Good. Um, when last we spoke, listeners, we were talking about Shrill, and Joe had watched it, and I had not. And I went home that night and watched it whilst hugging my pillow <laughs> and eating my feelings. And yes. I... First of all, Fran, can we talk about Fran? In like episode one, she's like, oh, I don't apologize to white people. Yes. <laughs> I died. Here so for it. good. Oh my God. So good. Um, there was, I mean, in short, again, I'm going to make a gross generalization. Do I'm, it. I'm going to say for it. that 
for anyone who has lived the majority of their life or any part of their life in a large body, mm-hmm. some part of this series is your story. Would you agree with that? I Yes, I would agree with that, yes. I feel like there is some episode or some part of this arc that is a part of your story, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. From, like, the body shame uh, with, like, sex and intimacy to the, like, not thinking that you deserve a relationship that is fulfilling and like or thinking that you deserve that kind of respect or that your body deserves that kind of respect and that or in the workplace feeling like you have to work harder to be taken seriously when there's a thin stupid girl next to you like it was there was so much that I connected to but you were right the pool party episode broke me because again first I also just want to like A.D. Bryant, thank you. Oh, my God, yes. Thank you. Oh, my God, yes. And, like, later she said, A.D. Bryant and her co-producer on this or writer on this said, like, we wanted to create the series that we needed to see when we were younger. And that is exactly what it is. Yeah. Exactly what it is. I needed to see this when I was younger. Yeah. I needed to see this. I needed to see this now. (laughs) I need to see it now and (laughs) 10, 20 years ago. Yeah. Oh, fuck yes. Yeah. So the moment where... I needed to see it when the doctor told me that I wasn't going to get a girlfriend if I was fat. What? Yes, girl. Oh, my God. This could go into a whole Brene mm. Brown self-help yeah. Oprah's Angel Network episode. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like, this in. is a super soul Sunday, girl. Oh. Um, the, oh, God. Specifically where she just breaks down and, like, has that, like, aha moment. And she talks about having special K for dinner. When mom cooked something else for everyone else. Yeah. Oh, God. I was like, oh, shit. That's so real. That was so real. And it was Special K. Like, it was that specific cereal. Oh, God. Like, and everybody that I talked to about this series, who, who, if they are a person of size or not, has said, like, oh, my God, right? Yeah. Like, and they've had a moment like that in that series, whether or not it was just having the courage to like swim in a swimming pool with other people around and, um, or to have sex with someone who's fun, you know, or feel like you deserve that or to say no to a dude who's a dick, you know, because you deserve more. Like, Oh God, it was just so good. Yeah. The moment, uh, that the moment that wrecked me in, in the swim, in that episode specifically is at the very end mm-hmm. when she is in the pool at night alone. At night alone because no one else is around. Yeah. I was like, no! Yeah. <laughs> don't. You don't know my life. No. Oh my you God. Know. I was the kid with the t shirt on. Yeah. We all were the kid with the t shirt on. For me, it was that like aha moment of the like breakdown. Fuck it. I'm going to write about it and send it. Like, oh God. But it was the special K for dinner that killed me. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, some some part of this series is is every one of our stories. If you are someone who is in a large body or a small body or or anybody who has issues with your body in general, like it was so no. um, unifying and empowering and also like very sad and sometimes painful to watch. Yeah. Also, like she's not out here trying to be thin. No. She is like, fuck that. And and the thing about it, like, it's just goes, it's great because it goes from, like, she has no voice to she has so much voice that now she is 
like people see think that she is shrill. Yeah. And like that to see that arc in that yeah. first season and how short of a season it was. Yeah. Um but yeah, like so so there's a there's someone that I follow on Instagram. Um their name is uh they're a, an academic that is doing work at Berkeley mm-hmm. and their name's uh Caleb Luna. Um, at Chairbreaker, mm-hmm. um, and it's one of the. I talked about this on Fright School as well. It's like their uh, their account is one of those accounts that I've been following that like is talking a lot about fat positivity uh-huh. and, and uh, fat phobia. And they posted, uh, they reposted this uh, meme that says, uh, "You can't call it feminist art if there aren't any fat people in your body of work." Yeah. And then they added uh, this thing that the thing about art is that you can literally create whatever you want. If you only want to create depictions that reify thinness as beauty, what are you doing? Yo. And it's like, yeah, because we are literally out here creating dragons and space aliens and unreal situations. And it's like, who's to say that the star of the film is not some person of size? Yeah. A hundred percent. I read something the other day, and I I hope I can find it. I don't know if I will. Um, oh, here it is. Perfect. Um, and this really, really kind of made me think of the series. Okay. Um, somebody posted on Twitter or on a post or something, uh, said, I'm a thin person who rarely exercises and regularly abuses drugs and alcohol, whose diet consists almost exclusively of pizza rolls and cinnamon toast crunch, and I can't remember the last time someone told me that I was disgusting or that my body was unacceptable because they were, quote, concerned for my health. So I'm going to need you to come up with a better reason for your fat phobia and hatred of fat people, or better yet, maybe just learn to mind your own business. Yeah. And that's the truth of it. Is that louder like, for those in the back? Right. Please. Thank you for coming to that TED talk because the truth of it is like that. That there are thin people who are the most unhealthiest, but they're never going to be judged or told like I'm just concerned for you I'm worried about you I want to help you it's like there are people in larger bodies who are running marathons who are healthier and stronger than you will ever be and and you don't know someone's story until you have lived in their body and that is I don't know. So last, many people's truth. Yeah. Last five minutes of that first episode where, like, she runs into that girl at the coffee shop again. Yeah. And she's like, I can help you. I can help you. And it's like, you know what, bitch? And then she tells her the truth. And then the turn. Because yep. that's how it happens. Yeah. It's like, oh, you've always, you mean, you knew I, you thought I was disgusting yeah. to begin with. You don't want anything to do with me. Exactly. There's not a thin person in my body trying to escape. <laughs> no, exactly. And for so many people in larger bodies, like, that is the crux of. Their whole existence. Yeah. Yeah. Like people are looking at me every day thinking I need help, thinking that I should be smaller, that, you know, I should be more fit. I should be a certain size. And it's like, that is not the body I have. And you can't give that to me. And there's nothing wrong with me. No. And you don't get to be mad at me for my body. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, that's the thing that, that always strikes me is like, people seem offended. When they see people in larger bodies. I don't get Oh, that. yeah. Yeah. Oh, fuck, yeah. On planes? Yeah. Like, on planes, it's just like, I I pray to God that... I. That's why I need an aisle seat, because mm-hmm. I know that I can get to the bathroom. Uh-huh. Like, uh, this didn't need to turn into therapy, but like, yeah. I know I can go to the yeah. bathroom without having to inconvenience the least amount of people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, so much of that series is about that, you know, about, yeah. like, 
anyway, again, therapy. That's what I mean when I say it was like painful to watch, but also like, oh God, like that visibility of like, I yeah. needed to see that when I was younger. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's my homework there, but um, we're not going to end the episode on that. We're going to end the episode with like a kind of special announcement. Ah! We decided that once a month is not enough for you kids. No, no children. It's not enough. And rather, you know, we're going to talk at you for like two hours about our regular monthly shit, but we also want to come at you with, uh, with some other features. So should we talk about it a little bit? Well, yes. So, I mean, we shouldn't say who. We're not going to we name names. say what. So we're, we've decided that our time of the month is, you know, <laughs> is our time of the month. It's, it's precious. Our time of the month is a special moment in any woman's life. And, yes. Um, and, and they're gay. And then sometimes <laughs> they're spotting. Yes. And so... <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to talk about the artists we're spotting every month. And so um, so we wanted this to play around with this idea of an artist spotlight. And so um, we're, we're both just like really fascinated with people's careers in the arts and how they came to to be in that place and in, in this industry and what makes their career unique and um, and what they love about the art and what they would offer advice to people trying to get into the industry. Uh, so we're going to talk to a bunch of different kinds of people, to actors, to singers, to designers, uh, to producers. Uh, and, and we're going to give you some one-off episodes bi-monthly. Yes. We're now bi monthly. Ah, <laughs> that's in the gay corner. Yes. Hey, put a button on it. Um, so exciting. We're growing. We're growing. We're growing and we're showing. Um, and also people have been telling me that they listen to us and shit. So thanks, listeners. Thanks, listeners. I told my um, my sweet baby boo-boo Natalie that I would give her a shout out um, because Natalie said, and I quote, she goes, no, no, no. I'm like obsessed with you guys. Ah! I'm like, oh, we have obsessive fans. Oh, my God. Okay. So Natalie, what you must do now is that if you've made it to the end of this three... <laughs> five-hour episode what you must do you've now you've been listening for four hours congratulations you must scream at the top of your lungs that you've been mentioned and uh -huh. immediately contact us immediately text me when you hear this yes um but natalie is working in the industry as a theater artist and as a stage manager and she's up in the bay area right now but like she called me to like interview me about like stuff she was doing for a course she was taking and in, in specifically in education. And so we got to talking and she said that she's obsessed with us and she likes that we said, fuck green book. Yes. She likes that we have strong opinions that we're critical and that we don't play nice. No, because fuck Scooby-Doo pop pop. <laughs> fuck green book. Fuck green book. Yes. Shrill. Yes. yes Lizzo. Shrill. Yes. Beyonce. There were a lot of positives this month. Yes. Yes, special. A lot of, lot of representation. I feel like for the last two months, we've been real down. We've been like, <laughs> R. Kelly, Leaving Neverland, Jesse Smollett. The Green Whoa, Book. The Green Book. Fuck. Uh, anyway, April gave you back all your joy. Yes. So we want you to take that joy. Spring has sprung. Spring is fucking she spring. She is risen. Yes. We have a lot of May coming up for you. It's going to be a big summer ahead of us, too. Uh, and we're really excited to then kind of also give you these artist spotlights, too. So yeah. um, so stay tuned, our listeners. Dare I say we have sixes and sevens. Yes. 
Um, we're really excited to keep doing this for you guys. So, you know, stay tuned. Enjoy your time of the month. Bye. Bye.